Hi, this is Dan. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I trust that it'll encourage you and build your faith. If you'd like to connect with me further, visit my website at revivalnow.com. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at RevivalNowDanSteep and Twitter at RevivalNowDan. You can also download the Revival Now app. Enjoy the podcast and share it with a friend. Welcome to Dan Steep Podcast. I'm Dan Steep, and we're talking Bible prophecy in this episode. How close are we to the second coming of Christ? That's the million-dollar question. If uh, we could answer that precisely, um, well, Jesus made it pretty clear that the only person that can do that is the Father, but we're going to try to just pull some things together here and give you an indication of just how close we very well may be to the second coming of Christ. The Ecclesiastes writer wrote in uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God put eternity in our hearts. So we were created with eternity in mind. And so when you think about that, uh, life itself is really just a parenthetical statement in the midst of eternity. Your life and my life, the Bible says, are but a vapor. Our time here on earth is just a parenthetical statement in eternity. So how close are we to the second coming of Christ? If our life, your life and mine, if we're just a parenthetical statement in eternity, then it behooves us to take seriously the times that we're living in and to know how close we truly may be to the second coming of Christ and eternity, for that matter. Well, in Matthew chapter 24, I want to read some verses, beginning in verse 36. I'm going to read verses 36 through 44. The scripture says, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, The people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going on, or people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So Jesus is making it very clear You don't know when he's coming, and basically, people are going to be partying and living it up and doing their thing, and they're not going to know when he's coming. Verses 40 and 41 talk about keeping watch because you don't know. 
when the Lord will return. Two men could be working together, one in the field, one taken up, the other left, two women grinding at the mill, one taken, the other left. What if that could be understood literally? If we took that literally, and I'm not saying that the Bible is trying to make a, a literal statement in what's being said in Matthew 25, 40, and 41, but if you were to take that literally, that, that's 50%. What if 50% just gone in an instant? The Bible condemns self-doubt. We're, we're not supposed to—we're supposed to have assurance— of our faith, assurance of our salvation. The Bible condemns self-doubt, but the Bible commends self-examination. Jesus says, watch and pray, be ready, be alert, be sober-minded. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you've failed the test of genuine faith. Verses 42 to 44 talk about some pretty chaotic, uncertain global times. What's the moral of the story, if you will? Be ready. Live ready. Bible prophecy is not intended to scare people. It is intended to prepare people. Are you living ready? At the end of this episode, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make very clear and certain that you're ready when Jesus returns. We're talking about the second coming of Christ and how close we very well may be to it. This is the most climactic event in all of human history. This time, Jesus is returning as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, every major denomination of the Christian faith believes in the second coming of Christ. There are actually 1,845 biblical references to the second coming of Christ. 17 out of the 39 Old Testament books refer to it. And even Enoch in the book of Genesis. In Jude 14 and 15, there's no chapters in Jude, so we just say Jude verses 14 and 15. This is what he says. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So now you, you need to understand the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. If I could plainly state it, the rapture is when Christ returns for his church. The second coming is when Christ returns with his church. In the rapture of the church, Christ comes in the clouds 
and he raptures or catches up his church to meet him together in the air. And the Bible says at that point, we will forever be with the Lord, those who participate in the rapture of the church. Now, the second coming is when this happens seven years after the rapture of the church, and this is when Christ returns physically and literally to the earth with his church. And that's what Jude is speaking about when he says, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. And when Christ returns with his church, we will rule and reign with him throughout countless ages as the redeemed of the Lord because of the work that Christ did at the cross and our humble acceptance of his sacrifice for our sins. Now, references of the second coming actually outnumber references to the first coming of Christ in Scripture, eight to one. And 23 out of 27 New Testament books mention the literal, physical return of Christ to the earth. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament teach that Jesus is coming back to earth. The 260 chapters in the New Testament contain over 300 references to the second coming of Christ, and Jesus himself promised his return no less than 21 times. Matthew chapter 26, verse 64, Jesus replied, he said, you have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Fifty times in the New Testament, we're warned to be ready. And Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 through 8, lets us know that he's not coming back as a baby in a manger. I'm going to turn to that Revelation chapter 1. Verses 7 and 8. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who was always, or always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. When we talk about the second coming of Christ and how close we are to the second coming of Christ, let's first of all talk about where Christ is returning to the earth. He's actually coming the second time to the exact geographical location that he left from, which is the Mount of Olives. Zechariah prophesied of that in Zechariah 14, verse 4. He said, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west, Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. 
And in Acts chapter 1, verses 10 to 12, we see that's the exact same place that Jesus ascended to heaven from. Acts 1, verses 10 to 12, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then verse 12 says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. So they were, they were at the Mount of Olives. That's where Jesus ascended to heaven from. And the scripture tells us, Zechariah 14.4, that that is the very place that Jesus Christ will return to the earth from at his second coming. And who's going to accompany him? We talked about this a little bit already. He's not coming back alone. The scripture says a great cloud of witnesses will be with him. Whom does that great cloud of witnesses consist of? Number one, the redeemed. Those born again who were raptured out of the earth to be with the Lord forever. And then, number two, the mighty warring angels of heaven, robed, in, robed for war, ready to establish his kingdom forever. The unholy trinity that's spoken of in Revelation 13, comprised of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, they're going to be a part of this great battle of Armageddon, but the, 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 the unholy trinity won't be stopped by war or bomb, but by the glory of Christ's appearance and the words of his mouth. Scripture makes it clear. Just as God created the world with his mouth, his words will destroy the opponents of God as his children take their rightful place on the earth. The rapture, at the end of the church age, is is a round-trip ticket. You're raptured up out of the earth to meet the Lord in the air, and then when the Lord returns to the earth physically and literally at his second coming, we return with him. Revelation 3.10 says, Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this earth. You see, the rapture is when the church is extracted from the earth before the tribulation. And then the church returns with Christ at his second coming. So let me share with you seven reasons why Christ is returning to the earth. Number one is to fulfill his promises. He said in Matthew 25, 32, all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's coming to fulfill his promises. Another reason for the second coming of Christ is to defeat the Antichrist and his armies. Revelation 19, verses 19 to 21. Then I saw the beast and the king of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. 
Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from his mouth, from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Jesus Christ is returning to fulfill his promises, to defeat the Antichrist and his armies, and number three, to regather and restore faithful Israel. To regather and restore faithful Israel. This is considered by scholars to be the super sign of Bible prophecy. You see, Bible prophecy revolves around God's covenant with Israel and the Jewish people. This speaks to the when. You see, we're we're talking about how close are we to the, the second coming of Christ. Well, when you begin to look at this super sign in Bible prophecy of the regathering of the faithful Jews to Israel, this gives you a clue about the when. You see, in 2009, 2009 marked the first time since AD 135 where more Jews lived in Israel than anywhere in the world. There's something in church history, in Bible history, called the diaspora. The dispersion of the Jews from Israel around the world. That happened in AD 70. There were two great dispersions of the Jews, AD 70 and AD 135. But now, we see Jews are migrating to Israel in droves from the Ukraine, during this, this, you know, Russia-Ukraine war, Jews by the multiplied thousands are gathered at the, gathering at the Western Wall singing songs of the coming Messiah. And they won't be surprised when he comes, but they will be surprised who he is when he returns. There's something called the Temple Institute that's in charge of reinstituting temple worship, the sacrifices, and all of that. And the Temple Institute has been quoted as saying that within four hours, they're prepared to have the temple in place with sacrifices taking place. Within four hours, it's believed that, that everything is pre-cut and prefabricated and ready for assembly for the, the rebuilding of the third temple. The Sanhedrin is now functional. The garments, vessels, the table of showbread, the gold menorah, uh, all of these things are already in place and at hand. The gold menorah was recently donated by Jews from the Ukraine. Everything ready for the temple in terms of pre-assembly is already there. And if you haven't done so, you can can go to uh, my... YouTube page, which is Revival Now Dan Steve, and I've got a whole playlist on Bible prophecy and the book of Revelation, including one on the red heifer prophecy, which is phenomenal. So I encourage you to, to um, take advantage of those offerings. There's literally nothing holding back the rapture of the church. If all these things are in place for the second coming, how much closer is the rapture of the church? 
Well, we, we know from Bible prophecy, literally, that the rapture of the church will take place seven years prior to the second coming of Christ. So when we see all these things in place for the second coming of Christ, and we know that the rapture of the church takes place seven years before the second coming, that's why I preach and teach so much on Bible prophecy. I want you to know. I don't want you to be scared. I want you to be prepared when the Lord comes for you. Because in the rapture of the church, he's only coming for his church. The church is comprised of every born-again believer in the body of Christ. The church is not a building or a denomination. It is the spiritual body of Christ comprised of all who are born again. Listen to what Isaiah said in Isaiah 43, verses 5 through 7. He said, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. I will say to the north and south, Bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Well, Christ is returning in this great second coming of Christ. Number four, the fourth reason, is he's coming to judge the living and the dead. We'll start with the, the living. Number four, Christ is coming to judge the living. All Gentiles who survive the tribulation will appear before him. All Gentiles who survive the tribulation will appear before him. And you can read about that in Matthew 25, in the, the separating of the goats and the sheep. Number five, Christ is coming to resurrect the dead. Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 to 6, says, Then I saw thrones, and people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. So Christ is coming back to resurrect the dead. Sixth reason he's returning is to bind the devil. Again, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 3, I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. And then lastly, number seven, Christ is coming to establish himself as king of kings from his throne in Jerusalem. Revelation 19, verse 16. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth 
as he promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. So I ask you this question. How should we live in light of our knowledge of how close we are to the end of this age? How should we live in light of our knowledge of how close we are to the end of this age? The rapture of the church is the next major prophetic event on God's prophetic calendar, and it marks the end of the church age and the beginning of the tribulation age. The tribulation age will last seven years, and it will come to an end with the second coming of Christ. So how should we live in light of our knowledge of how close we are to the end of this age? Well, I want to read to you from 1 Thessalonians as we bring this episode to a close. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our, through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. And let me just stop there for a moment. That's why the rapture of the church takes place before the great tribulation. Because this right here, verse 9, God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Verse 10, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. How can I be sure that I'm ready? Well, you must be born again. Remember, God is not returning for a church building or for a denomination. He's returning for the spiritual body of Christ, comprised of all who are born again. You see, you can't actually join or be voted into God's church. You can only be born into his church. It's a spiritual rebirth. How can I make sure that I'm a part of the rapture of the church when Jesus comes? I have three words for you. Recognize, repent, and receive. You must first recognize that you've sinned. 
the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When you're willing to humble yourself and recognize your sinfulness, you can then repent of that sin. Jesus said, and you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. To repent means to change. Change your mind, change your direction, change your lifestyle. So once you've humbled yourself and recognized your sinfulness and then repented, turned away from that sin, you're now able to, number three, receive. Receive the free gift of salvation offered through Jesus Christ by simply committing your heart to him by faith. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, this very moment, I'd like to offer a simple prayer of salvation that contains all three of these elements, to recognize, repent, and receive. And if you'll repeat this prayer with me from a place of sincerity in your heart, you can know this very day that you are saved, born again, and you will be a participant when Christ comes to rapture his church out of the earth. You can do that right now by praying these words with me. Just repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I believe Jesus died for my sins, and he rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness. I repent. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and make me a new person. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, welcome to the family of God. You are the reason that I do everything that I do. You're my newest brother or sister in Christ. And if you prayed that prayer with me, please go to my website at revivalnow.com. Revivalnow.com. When you go there, you'll find a big red button on the front page of our website that says, I just got saved. Click that button, and it'll give you the opportunity to fill out your contact information. And the reason I want you to do that is for two purposes. Number one, I want to be able to pray for you by name. But also, I want to send some resources to you to help you get started in your Christian life. That's the only reason that I want you to fill out your contact information. You have my word that your contact information will not be used for anything other than those two purposes. Now, if you'd like to subscribe to our e-newsletter, you can do that while you're at our website. It's completely free. But you'll have to do that yourself. We don't add anyone to any mailing lists. So just go to RevivalNow.com, click I Just Got Saved, follow the prompts from there, because we want to be a blessing to you by praying for you and by resourcing you for your new life in Christ Jesus. Well, that does it, my friends, for this episode we, on Bible prophecy, how close are we to the return of Christ? I trust that it's been a blessing to you. 
it's a blessing to me every time that I get in God's Word, and I'm, I'm always particularly blessed in preaching and teaching on Bible prophecy. So thank you so much for joining me in this episode. Make sure that you check back for more episodes because we're continuing to churn out more content to prepare you to be ready for the very soon return of Christ. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.